Hey everyone, William Hemsworth here. Hope everyone is doing well. Today in the church we celebrate the Epiphany. Got some great readings today. Welcome. I know I took a couple last couple weeks off with the mass readings. Um, had some family things to work out. Here we are. We are back with the Epiphany. First reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. It says, Shine, shine, O Jerusalem, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Behold, darkness and gloom shall cover the earth upon the nations, but the Lord will shine on you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. Kings shall come to your light, and the Gentiles to your brightness. Lift up your eyes all around, and see your children gathered together. Behold, all your sons come from afar, and your daughters shall be lifted up upon their shoulders. Then you will see, fear, and be amazed in your heart, because the wealth of the sea and of the nations and people shall change their course and turn to you. Herds of camels shall come to you, and the camels of Midian and Ephah shall cover you. All those from Sheba shall come bearing gold. They shall bring frankincense and proclaim the good news of the Lord's salvation. Amen. So this is the passage from the gospel, from the gospel, from the prophet Isaiah. Now, Saint Cyril says in that verse four refers not only to the return of the Jews from exile, but also to the assembling of the church from all nations. And just a refresher, what verse four says it says, "Lift up your eyes all around and see your children gathered together. Behold, all your sons come from afar." And your daughters shall be lifted upon their shoulders. So if you remember, um, around this time, the, the Assyrians sacked the northern kingdom of Israel. The Babylonians sacked and exiled the southern kingdom. So this is what we call the Babylonian exile. It happened in 586 B.C. And so Isaiah is prophesying that the Jews are going to be coming back home. They'll be coming back to their kingdom. And this is also, as St. Cyril says, in relation to the church. Okay? The, the church will be assembled from all nations. It's just not going to be a church for one race. It's going to be a church for everyone. Because Jesus has come. Jesus has come for everyone. Another key thing, verse 6, and just as a refresher, verse 6 talks about camels coming from Midian, Ephah, and those from Sheba shall come bearing gold and frankincense. I remember, the wise men brought three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We'll talk more about those in a little bit. But these nations of Midian, Kedar, and Ephah are very, very significant. They are nations of nomads, and they descend from Ishmael. And as you may recall in the book of Genesis, Ishmael is Abraham's first son from Hagar. Okay? And Sheba is an Ethiopian tribe. And so the great church historian Eusebius sees these nations along with their camels, sheep, rams, and wealth as metaphors for the spiritual gifts and sacrifices which will be offered on God's altar. And so, in this way, the house of prayer, Christ's church, is going to be glorified, okay? And also, Gregory of Nyssa, in relation to this as well, St. Gregory of Nyssa writes, Virtue is a light and buoyant thing. 
and those who live virtuous lives kind of they fly like clouds. Now that's something that's in relation to verse eight a little more, but I thought it was pretty cool to mention here. And so we have this prophecy of these kings, of all these people coming, bringing their wealth of gold, frankincense. Now myrrh is very significant. We'll get to that in the gospel passage today. But let's go ahead and go to today's second reading from Ephesians chapter three. And it's verses 2 through 3a, so the first part of verse 3, and also verses 5 through 6. So, let's start with the first two. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3a. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already. Alright, so let's talk about that. This revelation. So this dispensation, it's this time. A dispensation is a time in history. So St. Paul says, in this time of history, the grace of God that I've been given is also for you. Now, if you go to the first verse here, Paul's talking about how he's a prisoner of Christ for the Gentiles. Now, quite literally, Paul here, as he's writing... Um, was in prison in Rome as he wrote this letter. So that's very significant as well. But prisoner is also a title of honor, and it's a mark of apostleship. Now, Paul is called the apostle to the Gentiles. That's very significant. Okay? We read all through the Old Testament how, you know, Israel is God's chosen people. How he set them apart. He was preparing the world for this time, for this current dispensation where his gifts, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love, everything is not only for the Jewish people, but it's for everyone. And thank God, because I don't know about you, I'm a Gentile. Most likely you are as well. So that is extended to me. It's extended to you. Now, God's revelation, verse 3 here, Paul's writing about how by revelation he made known to me the mystery. Recall how in the book of Acts, okay, how Paul, in Acts chapter 2 specifically, Paul is on his way to imprison people of the way. That's what early Christians are called, people of the way. He was going to imprison early Christians. Until he got on the road to Damascus, right? And we all know what happened. There's a bright light, and Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Not why do you persecute this guy over here, this guy over here, this guy over here. Why do you persecute me? Meaning, if you are in Christ, okay, you are part of Christ. He's like, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting my church? God was gracious to Paul, not only for his own sake, but for the sake of others. Because even though Paul did these crazy things, remember, he was kind of overseeing the first mar- the death of the first martyr, St. Stephen. Even though he had done these things, he was marked for a purpose. He was the greatest evangelist. Think about how many churches he, had, he, he went, he, he ordained people, how many churches he started. Thirteen books of the New Testament are attributed to him. 
that's great hope for you and I, because no matter what we've done, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. All right, let's go to the gospel passage today. It's from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Very familiar passage. And I'll just cover a couple key points. Again, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which had been seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Alright, so let's talk about King Herod again. Verse 1 here immediately talks about King Herod. So, Jesus was born in the days of King Herod. And so the wise men, or magi as we call them, they came from the east, and they most likely came from Persia. Now Persia is in modern day Iran. Okay, they were scholars of their time. Now in the Old Testament, there was this gentleman named Balaam. And we see we read about him in Numbers chapter 23, in Numbers chapter 24. So Balaam was one of their predecessors, and he was a Gentile who anticipated the birth of the Messiah. Now, these, these foreigners, if you will, they kind of prefigure the church. Okay? So, they're Gentiles. They are coming to worship the king, the newborn king. They realized who he was. They heard these stories about the Messiah, about who the Jewish people thought the Messiah was. And not only that, okay, it prefigures the church where your member by faith and not because of what your ethnic lineage is. So you no longer have to be born Jewish or participate in Jewish law. You no longer have to be circumcised to become part of the church. You become part of the church by faith. And through baptism, we become reconciled with the church. We become adopted children of God. Verse 2 talks about this famous star that we always see during this time of the year. Okay, so they saw his star in the east and they've come to worship him. The star proclaims that the birth of Christ was something that was extraordinary. Okay, it was extraordinary. Now to ancient pagans, for example, a star signified a god. 
Okay? A deified king, if you will, as we see in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Christ being born under the star fulfills a prophecy that we see in Psalm 109, verse 3. And shows all the creation is participating in the incarnation. So, these wise men, the Magi, if you will, again, they came from Iran, what's modern day Iran. Their religion most likely would have been uh, Zoroastrianism, which also had a, a form of astrology in it. And for those of you who know about astrology, the cosmos is a very significant thing. And so they see this new star in the sky. It's brighter than everything else. And they're like, well, we got to go check this out. Okay? But in doing so, they find the Christ child. Okay? Verse 4. We read a little bit more about Herod here. All right? He gathered the chief priests and scribes to inquire where Christ was to be born. Now, Herod summoned Jewish leaders because he knew very little about uh, what the Jewish Messiah was. And he feared his throne. Okay, he saw Jesus as a threat to his earthly power. And we'll get more into that when we talk about the holy innocence uh, later on. Not today, but in another in another video. And so the chief priests, they were political and religious leaders of the Jews. And they were scribes, you know, they had high offices, etc. And they knew where the Messiah was going to be born. But in spite of all the signs, in spite of all the signs, all these prophecies being fulfilled, they had no clue. They were clueless. And that really plays out through the rest of the Gospels. All right. I want to jump to verse 11 for a minute. All right, so in verse 11 we read, and quote, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And they, they opened their treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now remember, um, in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, shepherds came to the cave where Jesus was born in the manger scene, and they worshipped the baby Jesus, right? Remember that. The Gentiles, these Gentile magi, came to worship him a little later. So by this time, Joseph and Mary, they have a house that they're living in. Okay, they're no longer in this cave. They're, we're past that scene where there's no room in the inn. Now they have somewhere to live. They're here, they're living in this little house, wherever the case is. Now, this indicates that Christ first came to the Jews and then afterward was worshipped by the Gentiles. And that's pretty significant. Okay, because Jesus himself says he came for the Jews. But we're all grafted in as Gentiles. That's the awesome thing. Jesus is not just for the Jews. Jesus is for everyone. And I think we need to remember that in today's day and age as well. Maybe we see someone coming into our parishes. Maybe they don't look like someone who should be there. Maybe they look like, like why are they, maybe they're dressed weird. Jesus is for everyone. Be glad they're there. Welcome them with open arms. Show them the love of Jesus. Invite them to come back. Okay? Jesus is not for the rich. He's not for the poor. Although he talks a lot about helping the poor. Jesus is for everyone. Alright. So the gifts of the Magi. We know it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So gold is for the king of ages. Frankincense kind of stands for God of all. 
Myrrh is offered to the immortal one. Now there's also some other significances of these. Gold is a gift for a king. Frankincense is incense that was used in worship. It was used by the high priest. Myrrh was used for burial. Think about that. They gave Jesus gold because he's a king. Frankincense because he's to be worshipped. They worshipped him. And it was used by high priests in worship of God. And myrrh, which was used for burial. Those three gifts were also a prophecy. So what do we do with all this? In verse 12 we read that they were divinely warned in a dream not to go back. And they went by another way. Let's, let's take another spin on this for a second. They came to worship Jesus. They left their pagan land, their pagan ideals. They came to find the Jewish Messiah. And they went home another way. They changed. They changed. You and I, when we encounter Jesus, is there a change in our lives? Or is it just another day? When we're at Mass, do we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ in the Eucharist and walk out of that doors and just get on with our lifestyle? There's a Protestant evangelist called Brendan Manning. And he said the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is that Christians acknowledge Jesus with their lips and when they leave that door of the church, they get on with their lifestyle. Is that what we do? Do we receive... The blessed sacrament, God himself in the Eucharist, and when we leave the church, we are not changed. There's a real problem with that, my friends. Let's let's examine ourselves for a minute. We need to be changed every single time. All right. God bless you all. Thank you for joining me today. Take care.